everyone, and welcome to MLS Assist, a podcast created to give insight into Major League Soccer's on-field action. My name is Joe Lowry, and today I'm joined by the one, the only, it's Jordan Angel. You already knew it. Jordan, how's it going? Joe, it feels good to be back. It's been a wild couple of weeks. It's been a busy couple of weeks for us. It's been a busy couple of weeks for Major League Soccer. We are happy to be back. Um, Jordan, uh-huh. we we didn't take a week off in honor of the All-Star Break festivities. That wasn't actually why, but I'm going to pretend it is. Um, <laughs> there's been plenty of content for people to be absorbing, even while we've been off for a couple of weeks. But we are back at this point, and we're here to talk about a game from this past weekend, which was a great weekend of Major League Soccer action. Uh-huh. We're here to talk about the Supporter Shield favorites, New, York, New England Revolution, taking on a team Ooh. that I think both of us think might actually be better than the Supporter Shield favorites, NYCFC. NYCFC beat the Revs 2-0 on Saturday. This was a fun game, Jordan. It got overshadowed a bit by El Trafico, which is understandable because that game was also very, very fun. This was just fun in a different way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you even slipped there for for a second and you almost said, the Supporter Shield favorites, New York City. <laughs> I mean... Anybody catching the revs right now, it's going to be quite the um, production at the end of the season to try to get to where they're at. But I think this city team, I, I and I've said it because I've seen them a few times being with Columbus. We've played them three times this season. Every time we leave a game playing them, I think this is probably the best team in Major League Soccer that we've played and that I've gotten to call games for because they do so many good things. So, um, yeah, this was I liked that we chose this game because it really did give us a look into a team that we haven't talked that much about. Well, and I've I've been thinking recently, like, man, I don't think we've given NYCFC enough credit. And, And by we, I mean me and I mean on this show. They're they're down in fourth still in the Eastern Conference as we're recording on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. But they are, they're phenomenal. They're 15 points behind mm-hmm. the Revs, who are the Supporter Shield favorites. I haven't run the numbers this week, uh, but I wrote a piece for The Athletic about the Revs earlier, uh, about a week ago. Which was and great. They were, thank you. Thanks, Jordan. They were on pace at that point to set a new points per game record and to break LAFC's 2019 mm-hmm. record of, I think, 72 points it was at that point. They're a really good team. They're missing a bunch of players right now. So I'm just, I'm impressed that they're that high up in the standings, the Revs are at this point. They have a 14-point lead over Orlando City in the East, and they have, I believe, a seven-point lead over the Sounders in the West as the top teams outside of the Revs in each conference. And then, yeah, NYCFC, they just deserve more credit. The front office deserves credit for building this squad. Ronnie Dyla deserves credit for what he's doing on the field tactically. He's been phenomenal this season. And so I think this was a great game for us to get a chance to dive into and give credit to a whole bunch of different parties here. Jordan, I do want us to start with NYCFC, who were okay. excellent in this game. They set up in a 4-2-3-1, but it's fluid, right? It's fluid and it mm-hmm. flows differently, and you have players dropping into different spaces and tucking inside. What did you see from Ronnie Dyla's team in this game that uh, that made them look so darn good? I So just coming out of that, I feel like they attack in so many different they have so many different looks in their attack, but I think that the key to this city squad and what makes them so good is their aggressiveness. That is their best attribute in attack. They want to get forward as quickly as possible. And the thing that I always notice, no matter if they're attacking out of what looks like a three, four, three or a three, four, two, one, or even just a, you know, they're four, two, three, one. Sometimes they attack out of just that shape as well. It doesn't matter what they're doing as far as the setup goes. There is always, always, always someone breaking the line. 
So there, it doesn't matter if it's Medina or Castellanos or Morales sometimes. Sometimes in this game, it was Rodriguez. Those are the front four. And it is always one of them trying to get make the back line of the opposing team uncomfortable by running straight at them without the ball and saying, play me in. And what that does is then it creates space for them to play make in. And I think that that aggressiveness is one of their best attributes and leads to a lot of good things that they do. Do you notice that in, in the way that they, the pattern plays that they execute? Yeah, they're, they're incredibly aggressive with their movement in possession, mm-hmm. right? With the ball and also without the ball. And I think that's, that's what you're getting at here. They make those line breaking runs. Like they make those runs that as an opposing defense make you uncomfortable, right? This is my space. You're thinking if you're an opposing defender and YCFC don't care about that and they'll, they'll run in behind like every team will, but I think they do it at a really high rate. They do it a lot and they have players, they have players that function well in the space that's created by some of those runs in behind, right? If Tati Castellanos makes that run in behind, Maxi Morales is ready to drop and receive between the lines. If Santiago Rodriguez makes that run in behind, Castellanos can drop. Medina can make those runs in behind or he can drop. And and that goes as well for Diago Andrade, who didn't play in this game. That goes as well for uh, Magno, who we saw at the end of this match, even though we haven't seen a ton of him so far in Major League Soccer after coming over from Brazil. Mm-hmm. They're they're just versatile in how they attack. And I think that's the one word that I would use to describe them. They are aggressive. They're also they're also really, really versatile. And that gets at the the possession fluidity that they have when they have the ball. Players moving in and out of different spots. That gets at how they attack and in which phases they like to attack. In this game, I thought most of the damage they did came in set possession. It came in build-up, where they're building back against the New England Revolution's 4-4-2 press. Bruce Arena had his team in a 4-4-2. It was Buxa and Bunbury up top for the first half, and then Bo and, and Buxa for the second half. But either way, the shape stayed the same. And, and New England was stepping forward. They were saying, all right, we want to engage you around the edge of the 18-yard box. And, and NYCFC are uniquely qualified to play through that pressure. And I don't think the Revs necessarily did the best job in their press. I think they could have, if, if you're going to step up, I think they needed to be a little bit more aggressive or just really pack it in. And they were kind of in this weird no man's land. But NYCFC can break through the press and that's how they get uh, at least the first goal in this game. They can also attack in transition. Jordan, I remember uh, a game against the crew that NYCFC had recently in the last month or six weeks. And it was the one where NYCFC put up four goals, I think, in that one. And they just blitzed Columbus in transition. They have so many different ways that they can attack you and and break you down as the opposing team. It just makes them so incredibly hard to stop when they have the ball. It really does. And when it, I wrote down a couple of um, minutes in the game where I feel like they really did a good job. In the 29th minute, I, I wrote down, this shows you a lot of what New York City can do because it was Callens on the ball. And you had just mentioned their their back line is very equipped in playing out of the back, but also dribbling out of the back. And what happened is as uh, New England tried to engage in a high press, Callens beat that first line on the dribble. And then he found... Uh, Santiago Rodriguez in tucked more inside. So he had dropped in playing more as like another attacking midfielder. And I think that's one of the unique things about New York city is Keaton parks and James Sands are, have the ability to play in those six spots, which they start in, but they also can both play in between the two center backs. They also can both be connectors in starting the buildup. But the line in front of them has no problem either with coming and being the connectors and not just the playmakers in the attack. And Rodriguez did a good job of coming in and getting that ball off of Callens. And with that movement inside by Rodriguez, it was already like 
happening. This is the fluidity, fluidity and the aggressiveness. It was Tori Aronson then getting high and high off of that one touch pass from Rodriguez. He just flicks it out wide. And I think one of the things that I was talking about earlier is how they're always having someone break the line. They time their runs really well too. So they're not in the space too early and they allow themselves to run onto it and eat up the space as opposed to getting the, the ball two feet and then kind of being a little bit stagnant. There's always movement onto a ball into space is what I, not always, but a lot of the time. And from there, then it's to Aronson finding finding a little drop back to Parks, and then it's Morales running through. So it's this constant, I find it a lot of like these little up backs and throughs. They play it up, they drop it back into the midfield, it's through to the outside. Then it comes back into the midfield, it's through centrally. It is such good movement in the 29th minute that if you want to go back and look and see how good the City team is, I think that that was really a good indication of how well they they read the movement of each other and where the space is then opened up and then they occupy that space at the right time. And that is key in the way that they want to possess down the field. We'll talk uh, a little bit about the revs in just a minute, but I want to, I want to mm-hmm. add some more to that point, Jordan, cause I love that analysis. I took a couple of notes of very similar sequences from what you're describing. Just not that particular one. I had one in the 16th minute where it's, it's NYCFC on the ball deep and it's Keaton Parks dropping between the center backs, like you're talking about. And the revs are up in that 4-4-2 shape and the revs only have two central midfielders. In this game, it's Tommy, uh, Tommy McNamara and it's Maciel in midfield and it, it changes in the second half some, but they uh-huh. stick in that 4-4-2. So they've got two central midfielders back there. So at this point, picture NYCFC, they're in a temporary back three, like I said, with Parks in between the center backs. The Revs are pressing high, and James Sands is kind of a single pivot at this point, and he drops a little bit and pulls Maciel out of position. So that's that's one of the Revs' two central midfielders forward and, and unable to protect his back line now. So Tommy And Mack I already know the where only... the ball's going. Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. You already know. And NYCFC do too, and the Revs, I think, are the only people in this game or watching this game <laughs> that don't know where the ball's going. And they should, right? Maybe they do and they just can't get there. But Tommy yeah. Mack is the only central midfielder back for the Revs at this point in front of the back line. And he's up against Jesus Medina, Maxi Morales, and Santi and Santi Rodriguez. Medina a little bit less so, but certainly Maxi Morales and Rodriguez. It's a two v one, if not a three v one, because NYCFC almost always, like every time I watch them, they almost always overload central midfield with their three mm-hmm. attacking midfielders. It's not like a left winger and a right winger and a ten. It's like three number tens. It, they're all yeah. packed together, and that overloaded Tommy Mack in the sequence. So Kyans could just pick out that open man, which was Rodriguez in this case. He he found him, broke through the lines that way, and then NYCFC turned and drove forward. And, and we see something very, very similar on the first goal that Castellanos scores. He scores a brace in this game. And I'm not going to walk through it in the same level of detail, but it's it's very similar. It's, Ky- it's Sands to Kyans, and then Kyans passes it forward. Then it's a nice switch, and there's just... Beautiful play that ends up with Maxi Morales playing Castellanos into the box and Castellanos finishing. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to defend that, right? It's yeah. really, really hard, especially when you're in kind of this flat 4-4-2. Again, the Revs missing a whole bunch of players. I don't know if we've mentioned that so far, but they're missing uh, Matt Polster. They're missing Gustavo Bo at the start. He comes in in the, uh, the second half. They're missing Carlos Hill. They're missing Tejon Buchanan. They're missing players. But uh, it's hard to defend against that. If you're any team, it's really hard to defend against that when you're leaving Tommy Mack or Maciel back there on an island. It, it just makes their life so, so hard. Yeah, I thought it was interesting just the tactics of 
New England coming out in a 4-4-2 against City, who, if you've watched them play, Joe, you just mentioned, they like to attack centrally, and they like to overload the middle of the field. And to only have two players in there, I thought was interesting and and made it their lives a little bit more difficult. Although I would say the Revs did a good job defending. And I think that that was part of Bruce Arena's tactics because he's seen how good this City team is at Yankee Stadium. And Yankee Stadium is not my favorite place, one, to watch a game, <laughs> nor is it for any opponent to go and play a game there because it is a difficult place to play. Um, I would like to say I opt for that tactical camera the whole game. Can oh, we just so have good. that tactical view? It's, it's so, so nice. <laughs> um, but w- what I think that Bruce Arena was thinking is he had watched how good they are in transition. So he was like, can we just be a little bit in those moments when we can't get and initiate the high press, I thought there were a lot of times where the Revs stopped attacks for um, City and made them have to go backwards. And there was some good just 4-4-2 block, um, mid to low block defending by the Revs that were, made it difficult from City because for City because I think otherwise they would have scored some more goals. And so credit to, to Bruce Arena with that, but it it's hard to not want to put some more players in there. And I think one of the... I don't know if this was a tactical adjustment, but it did notice, it did look like to me going into the second half, they're still playing a 4-4-2, but it looks like more like a 4-2-2-2 with Bunbury and, um, gosh, who was on the other side? Was it still Tristison or? Yes. I can't remember who came in for. Yeah, they're tucked more centrally to try to occupy those through balls that we were just mentioning for for City. And I think that that worked a little bit better for the Revs, but it's just hard with the movement that City have. They they're constantly switching the lines um between their, you know, attacking midfield line and their their defensive midfield line and it's Castellanos getting in behind, but then also coming back in. It's hard to defend all of those movements and um, keep them occupied in one little position on the field. But I thought for, for parts of the game, New England defended well, and they, they knew they were going to have to do that against a city squad who is very, very good at, at Yankee Stadium. And it's a bummer for the Revs because they're down one nothing, yeah. uh, and then it's the second half and 10 minutes into the second half. Castellanos gets his second goal, but it, it really does result in large part from a defensive error from Dewan Jones, mm. right? The right back for mm-hmm. the Revs. He thinks yeah. that Maxi Morales' cross is gonna gonna reach uh Santi Rodriguez at the front post, but it keeps bending and it was never really going for Rodriguez at the front post. It was always coming for Tati Castellanos towards the back post or towards the backside of the six-yard box, and, and Dewan Jones turns off for just a second. At least that's what it looked like to me. And he gives Castellanos a bit too much space, and, and Castellanos finishes with a really nice volley. You can't you can't give up those kinds of chances against NYCFC. They had numbers back. The Revs did. They had players in positions to deny that cross or at least to, to clear it out of the box and then start a counterattack of their own. But, you know, those are the moments you have to take advantage of if you're the Revs in a game like this against a team like NYCFC. I will say the one thing that I thought the Revs did really well, I like your point about the defensive block shape that they had and how they, they did constrict space in certain moments. I thought they looked a little bit dangerous in transition a couple times, especially in the second half once Gustavo Bo came yes. on. Bo is, Bo is really good in space. He's really good when he can carry the ball forward and operate on the break. And I, I think we could see the change in the team 
that happened once Bo partnered Buxa up top and that put Bunbury out wide. They looked a little bit more dangerous. Boateng had a couple moments in the first half where he was able to break free and transition. But Bo just brings another level of that. And I think if we'd seen that from the start and if we'd seen Heal and Buchanan, this is obviously a much different game, which makes me really, really excited. Yeah. Hopefully we'll see Carlos Heal back. If not Heal, then certainly Buchanan, who I believe, Jordan, <laughs> who knows? If, the broadcast, if the broadcast is to be believed, Tejon Buchanan missed this game because he didn't play an all-star because he was over sorting out his next move. So MLS has this rule <laughs> that apparently if, you, if you're selected for the all-star game and you just don't go, you, uh, you can't play in your next game, which is just they, absurd to me. Do they call it the Zlatan rule? I think that's the Zlatan <laughs> rule. <laughs> it, should, every, it should be. It really should be. Yeah. I, I, hope, I hope we see two weeks from now. I hope we see a full-strength Revs team because there does have to be that little caveat here. This was not their best group. And I think, man, just like we had back in, I think, June, it was a 3-2 win for the Revs in this, in this same matchup. I think that September 11th one could be really, really nice. But I think it also shows you how fragile MLS teams are in just the fact that, yes, this is a deep league, but this is the, you know, the Revs are the best team in Major League Soccer and they miss a couple of players and this is, you know, they're not able to perform. I do think that they changed things tactically and they were less inclined to try to build out on this field at, and, and I'm going to say it again, I do think it's difficult to play at Yankee Stadium. It's a much narrower field. The Revs like to spread the field, use Juan Jones, use, um, Buchanan on one on the other side like they they like to use the space out wide so when that's not really the option and and New York City is so good at they know the dimensions they know how quickly they can close space on this field I think it changed the tactics of the Rev where they were a lot more direct it was just in especially in the first half just playing long balls into Bunbury and Buxa and then trying to win the first and second balls that looked to me like that that was the tactic they had no interest in playing out of the back. And no. they, they don't, no. they typically don't have a major interest in doing that anyway. Like Matt Turner's foot skills are so so. They're, they're, they're fine, but they're not like Ederson level stuff. They're not even Sean Johnson, I don't think. I, I think Sean Johnson's probably better with his feet as an example. Turner isn't this, you know, exceptional passer out of the back, but the Revs don't, they don't always do a ton of that. They do certainly more of it than they did in this game. It took, the, the first time I noticed them actually play out of the back, and maybe it happened, I just, I just missed it, was midway through the second half, and it was a moment where NYCFC just didn't have a chance to get their high press set up. So it was this little, I think Turner just passed it out to the right for Dewan Jones, and then he sprinted down the side, and I think they lost the ball. It was, it was only when NYCFC were very clearly disorganized and the Revs found a chance where they could play through without being under pressure that's when mm-hmm. it started for them so I agree I think this was a little bit more of a one-dimensional performance for the Revs than it necessarily has to be and and that's right. something that I think changes potentially based on the venue but even more so than that I think it changes a little bit more when they have different personnel in the starting 11 yes especially in their holding midfield spots right so they can play into those players a little bit more like not that McNamara isn't good but Polster has been better in that spot when he, getting the ball and then connecting to the next line so when you don't have that it's just a difficult you know I think those combinations and the cohesion of players in those spots are is really important and um when you when you change those it it changes sometimes the way that your team has to play but i would just say that in the second half i thought that the revs did a better job of 
in I noted in the 79th minute, I thought it was the best best look from Gustavo Bo because it was a transition moment, as you mentioned, but the ball into Buxa wasn't in the air. It was it was a little bit more line like a line drive where he could take it in control and bring a defender in with him. I think it was Collins who who sucked in with him. And then it was Bo who stretched out wide to the left. This was near the halfway field halfway mark. Bo stretched out to the left and started running behind. And Chanel had to go with him because he knows how dangerous he is and how good he is at timing this. And it's Buxa finding Bo in that combination in transition. And Bo ends up hitting it off the side netting. But it, it was a really good look at what they can do. And I think it all just changes. You you can play direct, but one of the things in the change of, I had mentioned, I think the Revs played their outside midfielders in that 4-4-2 a little bit more narrow. Yeah, yeah. And so I think by doing that, when they were trying to build up, then if you start narrow and then move wide, you're opening up space actually centrally by engaging those center midfield defenders, Parks and Sands. I don't think it was them at that time. I think it was Acevedo and Morales then. Um, you pull those two wide by just a little bit of movement from inside out. And then it opens up passing lanes like we talked about on the other side for New York City. And so that ball was able to go a little bit more direct into Buxa and create that transition. So I do think tactically that little change helped the Revs a little bit. I want to play a little game here, Jordan. We're not close Ooh. to the playoffs yet necessarily, but we're, you know, we're, we're inching our way there bit by bit. Both of these teams will be in the playoffs, and both of them have a very good chance of making a, a pretty sizable run in the playoffs. I want to play a imagine you're playing the New England Revolution, or imagine you're up against NYCFC. How are you trying to defend against them? How are you trying to beat them? Because again, both of these teams, they're contenders. These are these are both really, really good squads. So I want to start with NYCFC and then we'll do the revs after. Jordan, if you're an opponent up against NYCFC in a playoff game or just in an important game as the regular season goes on, whatever situation you pick, how are you trying to beat them? Are there any weaknesses that you can try to exploit? How are you trying to minimize space and and contain NYCFC's attack? And how are you trying to break in and exploit space in in their defense? Do you have any, any lines of thought on how to take this team down? Yeah, that's a really good question. And you're putting me on the spot here. I didn't prepare (laughs) for this, but I do think that, um, the, the tactics that New York City implement that I think really are helpful is attacking centrally against, you know, whatever opponent, if it is a 4-4-2 block, right? Because I think a lot of teams, even if they play a 4-2-3-1 are in a 4-4-2 block a lot of the time. They, they throw a lot of numbers centrally, which if you have the ability with your outside backs to get forward, sucking all those players in centrally and attacking narrow allows and utilizes then your outside backs or your wing backs to be a little bit more free in space in the channel. And I think that that is something that they're not good at defending. Like Tinnerholm is, is an okay defender, right? Like I'm not saying he's not the, he's not the best in MLS. He's not the worst. He's a better attacking player, I think, than he is a defender. And if you can get him and Tori Aronson in positions where, you know, you squeeze everybody centrally and you overload those central channels, kind of like what New York City does, but then you figure out a way to get it into the channel. Um, I don't, I don't know if they defend that very well, but I don't think a lot of teams do that against them. I think they're trying to get players in the channels a little bit earlier and not later on the, in the attacking third, if that makes sense. So, um, 
I don't know. That's one thing I would do. I would try to like almost use what they do against, especially in this game. If you watch some of the things that they were doing in this game of overloading the center, center channel, I think that you can potentially create overloads out wide just by your movement off the ball or switching the point of attack there. I'm I'm totally with you. I think we talked about those uh, three number 10s, right? The attacking midfield trio all being very narrow, which then in order to maintain some sort of spacing, NYCFC push their fullbacks forward. And sometimes they don't push both of them forward quite as high. Sometimes they have, you know, one of them up higher, they have Tinnerholm higher and, and the left back lower, whatever the situation is. But they do push those players up, and those players are nine times out of ten responsible for providing width. So if they're forward, yeah, counter into that space, right? And I think right. my main point, if if I'm going up against NYCFC, and maybe I hinted at this earlier, unless I am like I don't know, really set in my high press, and I don't know that there is a lot of other teams in the Eastern Conference. DC maybe falls into this category, yeah. but I don't know that there yes. is a lot of teams in the playoff hunt right now that high press, and that's a big part of their brand and their identity. So unless I am one of those few teams, I'm I'm probably gonna. I'm probably going to rein it in a little bit. I'm going to sit a little mm-hmm. bit deeper. And the shape, the shape doesn't really matter. Like the starting shape doesn't matter. The fact that the Revs came into this game with a 4-4-2 shape is fine. I think the issue for them was in some moments when they stepped high, the issue was that they just didn't rotate enough. They didn't they didn't move yeah. defensively enough to fill that space. Because you could be playing a 4-3-3 and you think, okay, great. Now I have three numbers in midfield versus the, the two that I have in the 4-4-2. That's fine, but you can still get pulled apart. So it's more about how you respond defensively and what your rotations are without the ball as to how that, – that kind of shows how well you're going to be able to defend against a team like NYCFC. So I'm probably going to sit a little bit deeper. I'm, I'm likely going to be in a 4-4-2 block. It's pretty standard. And then, yeah, I'm going to try to attack those wide areas and use NYCFC's central overloads against them like you mentioned, Jordan. I, mm-hmm. I think – I think. I mean, obviously it's easier said than done, but I think that would do a decent job of giving NYCFC a game at the very least. Yeah, absolutely. And you just, um, you would hope that you're not playing them at Yankee Stadium. Joe, I don't know what it is. They are so good there. They really are. I don't know. Uh, the power of Babe Ruth from a long time ago. I don't know what it is. Maybe, yes. Maybe. I know it's, it's a different stadium. Right? It's, uh, they, get, they get the point That's across. so funny. Okay, the Reds. Oh my gosh. We did okay. MICFC. I think we got a decent – well, that's that's a little un, unfair. I was going to say we got a decent idea of how to beat the Revs in this game, but that requires you being just insanely good with the ball and, and pretty much good at everything. And not every team is good at everything. The point that I'll, I'll start with on the Revs is don't give up set pieces. And to the best of your ability, avoid giving the Revs set pieces because even in this game without their, their primary set piece taker, Carlos Heel – they still were dangerous once or twice on a set piece. There's a 24th minute corner kick that uh, mm, Boateng yeah. serves in. Buxa gets his head on it. I mean, they have players who can really threaten in the box off of set pieces. And when he is back, he's unreal with that left foot. He is the best. He's the best set piece provider. I think Zellerion is probably the best set piece shooter. That's, there's probably a better way to say that in MLS. But but he is incredible. <laughs> so if he is back. Mm-hmm. Just don't give up dead ball situations. Do the best that you can not to foul people in bad spots. And, and that small thing alone, I think, gets you a long way. Yeah. I mean, if Heal comes back, I mean, I haven't heard anything. I don't think anybody's no, yeah. heard anything. So we have zero clue if that's even like we could just be fantasizing that this player is going to come back this year. I, I have no idea. But with your point there is... I think that the Revs are most dangerous in the half spaces and finding the back post. Like they utilize and heal 
particularly Gustavo Bo does as well, I think sometimes in attack, utilize the half space right in front of the, the box really well. And Buchanan and Brandon Bay at times and um, Dewan Jones do a really good job of timing their runs on the opposite side to get into the box of, sorry, on the opposite side of that half space wherever Bo or Hill is is occupying to time their runs to get in and, and yeah. get something on frame. So I think that's really their best. That is how they, when they are flying, that is how they are, they attack and they're really good at that. I would say if you're trying to beat them, I think these two center backs and Andrew Farrell and Henry Kessler, they get pulled out of position a lot. And I think that they will chase a center forward into the midfield more than they need to. And so if I am attacking this team, I am occupying the center backs and I am trying to bring one of them in while I'm getting the other, like I'm running through with another player. Um, whether it's a midfield player or a winger who's tucked inside who kind of sneaks in last minute. But I do think that that up back and through movement that New York does so well, other teams utilize, but that movement of the nine or that front runner trying to pull one of their center backs out of position, I think they chase and I think they chase a little too much. And I always am a little, they give up goals. It's not as if this revs team doesn't give up goals because they, they give up at least, I think probably won a game. Um, so this is a place where you really can get at them is is in between their two center backs and trying to pull them apart there. I love that. I think I think New England center backs are below average in a lot of senses. According, I, I, this was in my revs piece. Andrew Farrell, Henry Kessler, and John Bell, who have been their three main center backs mm-hmm. this season, none of them are in the top thirty-five in the league according to American Soccer Analysis' goals added metric. So that essentially takes up it's it's harder for defenders, but it takes all the actions on the ball in a game and measures how they positively or negatively impact your team's likelihood of scoring a goal. And the revs, the ref center backs are hurting them in a lot of senses more than they're helping them. So they are prone to, to chase a little bit. And, and some of that have to be tactical instructions from the coaching staff. But they're also prone to a, an individual error from time to time. And you toss yeah. the fullbacks into that category occasionally, like we saw with DeWan Jones. If you can get forward some and get forward some without giving up the ball in bats, Spots because the revs will hurt you in transition. That's that's something that you have to limit if you're the opposing team coming into New England. But if you can get forward and just test the center backs and test the back line, yeah, that's exactly where you want to be. I think that's probably the weakest area of the revs team is when they're without the ball and when they're without the ball back deep and maybe a little mm-hmm. bit scattered. I think those are those are areas where teams can really exploit them. And we saw a little bit of that in this game. We didn't see a ton of it necessarily. NYCFC broke through a little deeper down the field, a little higher up the field for the revs. But yeah, they've, they've got to watch those spots, Jordan. Well, I mean, we basically solved it, didn't we? I, th- I think we just solved soccer. Um, I don't know yeah. who we talked to about that. Call but, us uh, for we our payments. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that was we – t- we talked more big picture than just this game because it is yeah. – as with a lot of games now, it's hard when we're not getting the full, complete look at a team at any given game. So we tried to zoom out a little bit and hopefully we satisfy the individual tactics of this game, that 2 nothing win for NYCFC, but also just I – th- I think we talked well about two of the best teams in this league and two teams that we're going to be seeing a lot more of throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. And I just imagine, you know, if they do, if it does so happen that they match up against each other in the playoffs, this could be a really fun, um, 
battle because I don't I'm not sure if they play each other again before the end of the season, knowing yeah. the schedule this year. Yeah, Probably. There's, there's there's one more. <laughs> there's one more in two weeks. Yeah. Um and I, I would just where is that? Is it in New England? Shoot. Vamp, Jordan, stall, stall the people. Vamp, okay. And <laughs> okay, no. you know, it's in New I England. Just, so we got a full size yeah. field, baby. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what that looks like. And just because I feel like these two teams are really good, we'll see what players are available. But um, yeah, I, I do think that, and I'm not saying City isn't good on a full-size field because they are very good still, but they just can, they know how to close space a little bit better and utilize the space on their fields better than any team coming in as visitors, which is a no-brainer. But it just, it really does make sense. They've been excellent at, at Yankee Stadium. And I think that game in a couple of weeks in New England will be a, a one to watch. I would recommend watching that because I think we're going to continue to see these two grow over the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. Jordan, thank you so much for joining me. As always, uh, I, I truly appreciate it. Yeah, that was fun, Joe. I learned some stuff even, you know, I think that's the best part is we're learning from each other too. So that's fun to hear what you have to say and um yeah thanks for asking about us guys and I, I saw some of you on twitter like where are you guys well we're back we're back baby listeners thank you all so much for listening and we will be back again very soon